Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. I am Gurgit Deegan, Campaign's Creativity and Culture Editor. Coming up today, we will hear from Rosie Hanley, Head of Brand and Marketing at John Lewis and Partners, and Richard Huntington, Chairman and Chief Strategy Officer at Saatchi and Saatchi London. They will be talking to me about Saatchi's winning the John Lewis Partnership Pitch. Then I'll be joined by Johnny Parker and Chris Birch, Executive Creative Directors at VCCB London, to review some of the latest ads. But first, Charlotte Rawlings, reporter at Campaign, joins me to discuss some of the latest news. Hello, Charlotte. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Well, thank you. We are recording this on the 17th of May, and yesterday, on the 16th of May, we were both in Brighton. Yes. Sunny, sunny Brighton. It was sunny Brighton. Yeah. We got lucky with the weather. Mm. Um, And yeah, I indulged in fish and chips and ice cream. That's all I can really remember. (laughs) The ice cream was fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you remember it a little bit more than that, because we... (laughs) Had a big old conference. Yeah, big big conference. I'm sure a I can remember. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I can remember some things. You were sat at the front. Yeah. Uh, so we hosted the um, Brand Experience 360 event yesterday in Brighton, and uh, we had a number of people talking to us about their work in the in the industry, and then just their thoughts as well. Um, Charlotte, what were the key themes that you picked out from yesterday's event? So this theme of digital experiences versus real life experiences popped up quite a few times. And it's interesting talking about how the industry adapted to virtual experiences during the pandemic. And it's also quite interesting that people are still talking about that now, even though it feels like we've kind of been out of that for quite some time. Um, But it's slowly moving away from all of that again and very much diving right back into real life experiences. I think the value of like real life experiences is kind of being like noticed again. Yeah. Um, But they're not as, so um, I think it was Ruth Fittuk from uh, Simply Roses Crisps, she said they're back, Mm. live events, but they're not on the same scale as in like the quantity as it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Well, it was interesting when um, David said he had this great analogy about how things like the metaverse and all of the virtual things that people got into during the pandemic um, aren't going to like even compare to like real life experiences like going forward because... Um, I think people have realised the importance of like the social element and being around people. And we just love being out and about again. Yeah, the the analogy was about like going to an empty restaurant and how like the atmosphere of having other people in the restaurant is what makes the experience. Like if you go to a restaurant and it's empty, you know, you're still going to talk to the people on your table. You're still going to get the same food and the same service. But if you go to an empty restaurant, it's a little bit awkward um, mm. and a bit of a weird experience, even though you're not planning on talking to the other people around you anyway. We like the buzz. Yeah, it's the buzz. Um, I'd much rather go to a busy restaurant than an empty one. Um, and I think that's what he was sort of comparing, like virtual experiences and online experiences to the the value of the real life ones and having that atmosphere again. I think that's the point, isn't it, about brand experiences and clients and marketers need to kind of um more clients and marketers need to kind of realize that it's not just about the 30 second ad it's about uh, other parts of the campaign as well so and brand experience does play a, a big part in that in properly it, like immersing people into their into the brand yeah you know, and the brand values these these things are, are more memorable and they made points about that about how i mean there are some ads out there that stick in your memory years after um but you know an experience probably has more it's it's more likely to stick in consumers minds isn't it after they've done it um yeah. and yeah so that, yeah. that was a point that david made um and it's a, it's a balance though isn't it i mean it's yeah. not it's not it's not only about the the 30 second tv ad anymore mm. the other point i think you were about to make was social media and the tiktok and the next next generation are very much into those and so mm. moving into that kind of space yeah there was research that i saw like a couple of months ago that said about how gen z and like the younger generation are very much prioritizing getting out there and having new experiences and McHale who is the chief executive of Torchware which is an activewear brand um was really shouting things like TikTok praises because that's what the younger generation are using now and it was interesting that they were sort of talking about TikTok as this search engine rather than social media and that's what a lot of young people are turning to 
to get advice on like what products to buy or like where to go and like experiences in London. Like, you know, there's hashtags like things to do in London or best travel destinations that a lot of people are using instead of just going to Google. Mm, um, and that's how the Simply Roasted Crisps event went yeah, viral. Yeah, so well, there was, yeah, yeah, there was another speaker. Um, yeah, Ruth Fittick said that... Um, uh, Simply Crisps um, experience accidentally went viral on TikTok because a guest filmed it, put it under the things to do in London hashtag. And the next day, the experience had a queue around the block because it got like three million views. Um, and that was like a complete accident. And it wasn't it didn't plan to go viral. And it wasn't even the, you know, the brand's own TikTok. It was someone who had gone there themselves. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how everyone's sort of prioritizing social media, particularly TikTok. Um, and I guess that comes into how it's not just about the one, the one 30 second TV ad anymore. It's, you know, everything else that comes with it. So you've got the brand experience, but then you've also got how you promote that brand experience and how you get the message out to people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I do think it's nice to see a big film, isn't it? Yeah, it's still a nice yeah. big film, but it's also I do like to see um, kind of you know a whole a full brand campaign, which includes other aspects done mm. well. So yeah. an experience done really well, but then you know when when it's going on social, you don't want the same old film on social. You want it tailored for it and mm. for your experience. You know when you're scrolling, which I probably do too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was the um the Tony's Chocolate Only um experiences were really interesting the one that they did with um ben and jerry's and the the wedding mm. um idea was was really cool and you can tell that there was like a lot of effort put into that and it was very memorable yes so uh how to make your brand memorable right <laughs> make <laughs> it go everything. viral on tiktok and do everything <laughs> under the sun <laughs> yeah Great. Okay. So next, uh, let's talk about parental leave. And this was a topic that came up in the All In Census results. Um, it was a story we, we published last week. One of the points that came up said that over half of women who responded to, to the survey felt taking parental leave had had a negative impact on their career. Uh, 29% said that their gender was an obstacle to career progression. Um, which is more than twice the proportion of men who felt similarly. So this part about parental leave. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I obviously, I've never taken parental leave, but to see a figure that is like, so the figure was 55% of women who had taken parental leave in the last five years felt that it negatively impacted their career as opposed to just 6% of men. Um, and I think the disparity there is like, it's it's crazy. Um, I would assume most of the men took less than a year. You know, yeah, a lot exactly. of women would take about a year, nine months to a year, I guess. I think advertising is kind of ahead of the... A lot of agencies offer a longer leave for, for men, as in more mm. than two weeks. So, but still, it would be interesting to know of those men, how long they took. Yeah, because it, like you say, it was probably less. And I think... Um, it's completely understandable why women would think it impact negatively impacted their careers because if you're taking you know that time away it's bound to sort of affect your confidence like I struggle to come back to work after a week off for Christmas <laughs> do you know what I mean so like <laughs> I feel like that you know taking a year off of work and your life is like especially like first time mothers as well I expect your life is probably like just completely Completely yes, yes. You have no, yeah. There's nothing that can prepare you, really. No, exactly. Um, it's it is hard, isn't it? Because you, if you take a year out, you're you kind of feel when you come back, the people who haven't taken that year out have got the extra year of experience, um, at your level. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, when are you going to get your promotion? I mean, I yeah, I I took as a pretty pretty much everyone knows because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I took a year out. Um, no, I think I took 13 months um, when I had my son and I returned around this time last year. But I was I, th I was really fortunate and I, I filled in, in, in this census and in this survey. I definitely didn't think it negatively impacted mm. my career. I, But it's really hard because for me, 
I've Maisie's brilliant and Maisie was absolutely brilliant and she really kept in touch with all the ongoings yeah she understands um, as well she's been through she, it herself she had just so. been through it twice and yeah. she totally understands of what I was going through um and she was really supportive and this job came up because I was news editor before I left and this job came up as creativity and culture editor and at first <laughs> Maisie mentioned it to me like at first I was like uh, no way am I doing an interview or work while I'm on mat leave. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then I started thinking about it. And then um, I actually spoke to Gemma, who's our deputy editor, who's on mat leave now. And she said, what's the worst that can happen? And then I I went for it and mm. I realised I actually really enjoyed work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think your, your mind, you, you, you know, you, you're just thrown into something so different and you're taking, you take that time away from work and you focus on something else and then coming back to being you the old you yeah I really enjoyed it so I was very kind of fortunate and but I know many people many women aren't did you ever did you ever get that feeling of being overwhelmed you know having been off for a long period of time and then all of a sudden coming back into like full-time work or was it just like okay I'm actually ready now I was quite excited. I yeah. Think. Yeah. The only thing was leaving your child and he, mine uh, was, was really was not happy at nursery. He's, he's great now, but um, it took a time for him to, a long time for him to settle mm. in, but that's quite natural. That, that was a thing, but at work, the other thing was that you guys are all new. I, I came back to a completely <laughs> new team and yes. I kept getting your names wrong. So I felt really bad. So you still that. do. <laughs> So we also ran a piece yesterday from um, Bethany Hitchcock, who is at Good Stuff Communications. Uh, she's brand marketing director, and she wrote about um, her experience. Um, so she left for maternity leave. Good Stuff, I think uh, she wrote. She writes that they they offer thirty nine weeks, um, which is a really good. Um, package, yeah, really good. Enhanced maternity leave package of 39 weeks of full pay. Um, brilliant. She had been at Good Stuff for five years. Basically, when she her mat leave came up, uh, when it was time to return to work, she was not ready. And so she quit. And she, looking back, she's she says, to be honest, she was scared and she let fear make decisions for her. Um, at the time she felt like it's what she needed to do. So she resigned. Um, they said you can, the door's always open. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody says that you're like, yeah. Uh, but she managed, she, she went back eight months later. She was ready to go back and they welcomed her back. It was, it's a great example. Yeah. Not letting those things prevent you, uh, from coming back to work because I think there is a lot of fear around you know, being off for a significant amount of time and then feeling like everyone's sort of moved on um, and yeah. like left left the, left the station without you, essentially. Yeah. So the fact that she could take that time off for maternity leave with that great package um, and then to, you know, maybe not feel under that. I mean, like, there was probably pressure to be like, okay, I've been off. I need, you know, I'm coming back now because that's when my maternity leave finished and that was what yeah. was planned to like make that decision of like, actually, no, I'm not ready. Yeah. And then taking the further eight months off. Yeah. I think it's great that she felt like she could and that she had that support there. Yeah. Um, and that the door wouldn't be yeah. shut on her. Yeah. And they were true to their words. So she, mm. she came back. Um, I think she came back maybe a couple of weeks ago. So her point that she made is that it's great that agencies, and we I mentioned this earlier, agencies offer enhanced packages that's financial benefits. Yeah. She's saying that, yes, that's essential, but we perhaps need to be a bit more flexible with time. Mm. Yeah. She said that the gift of time, time to breathe, find a routine and work through some stuff gave her the opportunity to find um, find herself and realise that, you know, she still wanted that career and still wanted that job. Mm. Um and she said that the alternative was if she had gone back at the time she was expected to go back or expecting to go back, um, it would have been too much. She would have felt overwhelmed and she she would have resigned on the spot. And who, who knows, then that would have, you know, that would have been the last memory that she had of work. And then it would have 
maybe then you lose another woman to the workplace yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and yeah who knows when you might want to go back or even go back into the industry yeah it's a good lesson I think to for other women who may be going off or coming back and perhaps you'd hope you can speak to your employer if you're not ready have a chat and and hopefully agencies um can be a bit they they are I think they are making great strides in uh, compared with other businesses in terms of yeah the offering that they have because a lot offer um, I think pretty good enhanced maternity pay um, but perhaps time mm. uh, is another thing that uh, needs to be taken into consideration yeah definitely I think it's also that aspect of like I mean you talked about it earlier with Maisie having that understanding um and feeling like you're not letting anyone down by taking that time for yourself mm. um so yeah that's really important um and yeah this these themes of uh maternity leave parental leave um impacting your career are going to be talked about in a question piece next week um so yeah keep an eye out for that well we look forward to reading it thank you so much charlotte Next, I'd like to welcome Rosie Hanley, Head of Brand and Marketing at John Lewis and Partners, and Richard Huntington, Chairman and Street Chief Strategy Officer at Saatchi and Saatchi London. Hello to you both. Hello. I get it. So uh, congratulations are in order, Richard. Uh, you have won. What? <laughs> uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, uh, Saatchi's um, have triumphed in the uh, John Lewis pitch, which is probably the... Uh, what should we say the biggest pitch of the year so far i guess how uh, were the celebrations uh, the, uh good i mean there's something about being told on a monday which uh which kind of slightly dampens down celebrations uh but they're ongoing i can reliably inform you that they are ongoing i would add that we saw the Sachi team on tuesday morning and they were all very fresh faced so i don't think the celebrations got too out of control on monday <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, let's go into a bit about uh, the review. Um, so I would like to talk about kind of the process of the review and how we got to the, the decision of Saatchi's winning, Rosie. Um, could you tell us, should we start at the beginning? So can you tell us a bit about how the decision to review came up um, in the first place? Because obviously Adam and Eve DDB had it for about 14 years. I know. Look, first thing to say, we have had such a successful um, and such a collaborative and supportive relationship with Adam and Eve over the last 14 years. I think we came off the back of a high of the beginner, um, our Christmas campaign last year, came back to work in January. And and the discussion really was around, you know, yes, a very successful relationship, but it's one that has been very long in the making. And I think after 14 years, it was time for us to just review that we were getting the very best work and the very best um, deal. And so we decided to progress to a review of our creative agency. That kicked off at the start of February. Um, we, ha- we were very ably assisted um, by Oyster Catchers, who were the sort of intermediary who ran the pitch process for us. Um, we had chemistry sessions initially, um, which were quite informal and were all around just understanding how the agencies felt about our brand and, and, and our purpose and our challenges and all of the things that we wanted to achieve. Um, and then I had the very dubious pleasure of writing a pitch brief. So that was all around um, helping the agencies understand enough about our brand that they could then respond to the brief, which was around um, the John Lewis Christmas campaign for 2023. So there was a load of detail in that. Um, We met a couple of times to make sure that the brief was well understood. And then we had, hopefully Richard will agree, but we had a really good day at Odney, which is um, one of the John Lewis properties. that partners can visit to enjoy leisure time. So we've, we've got um, we've got space there um, and we invited the three finalist agencies to come and uh, meet us at Odney. We've got a heritage centre at Odney. So it was really about Im- immersing the agencies in the brand and like really helping them to understand everything from our heritage to where we wanted to get to. Pitch day was, I really enjoyed it. We had everything from Waitrose food tasting. So we were all eating like, gingerbread truffles and um, all sorts of new food innovation um, 
in the middle of March, which felt quite surreal. And we brought uh, Jason, who's our Christmas designer, along as well. So he was showing everybody the Christmas schemes, everything from um, baubles to design for Christmas this year. So we really tried to immerse the agencies in a big John Lewis and Waitrose Christmas. Um, and then after pitch day, we progressed to clarifying questions. So we spent time with each of the agencies, making sure they'd understood what we'd asked, letting them ask us any questions. Um, and then we had two sessions in between. So we had one session where agencies played back strategic thinking. And then we had a second session where we uh, looked at creative tissue. So it was a real throw ideas at the wall, get gut reactions, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and then we got to pitch day, which was, I think, intense for everyone involved, um, where we actually got the full response. Um, I mean, my goodness, what a privilege to be a part of that process. We saw the best and the brightest strategic and creative thinking. Um, and then alongside, there was obviously commercial negotiation. So a very short, I mean, a sort of quite short process quite intense, um, but just blown away by the, the quality of responses from everybody involved. So Richard, when uh, we broke the news in February, did you know right away like that is something we're going for? Oh, uh, 100%. I mean, like I, I have really wanted to work with John Lewis Partnership for a very long time. You know, in some ways, I think if you're, if, if you operate in our industry, you, you know that that wasn't really going to be possible for a while. And, and, that, and that that quality of the relationship that John Lewis Partnership had with Adam and Eve and, and the, the extraordinary work they've done, which hasn't just been to benefit of John Lewis Partnership, it's also been to the benefit of our industry. So, so it's been a long term wish of mine, like dream of mine, but, 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 and finally, you know, to, to get a real opportunity, definitely, I would say a highlight of the last decade for me, uh, in terms of a, an opportunity to, you know, and it's an opportunity to try and solve a problem. Like, like, it's not just an opportunity to, to kind of throw the creative dice. I, I think, I think that it was a joyful uh, experience for lots of reasons. We should go into why it was so good. But in part because there was a clear challenge to solve, and our industry is at its best when when there's a, there's something really to 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 go after, and I, and and that hence the, I think the quality of the agencies that 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 we were up against. It was a great I think it was a great portfolio of three agencies to put the oyster catchers and and uh, and, and John Lewis partnership put together, uh, and uh, boy did it make us work harder. <laughs> How did you find the um, the process, Richard, then? Because, um, I mean, this is quite, you know, as, as Rosie said, a fast process. We normally, you know, when I write about this, it's about the year. And obviously, John Lewis, you've got the Christmas ad coming up, so you need to kind of, there was a big deadline. <laughs> so Christmas is coming. Christmas is always coming. It's coming. <laughs> it was always coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, the the experience was an absolute joy, and you know, you can really tell in an agency if an agency is enjoying a pitch process, then uh, then you you can kind of get a feeling that things are going reasonably well, and and it was it was really great for us. It you know we, we're saying oh, it was super quick. I think it's pretty. It was a pretty standard length of time for a pitch these days. And it was run absolutely perfectly by oyster catchers. Um, but in reality, you know, there are lots of pitches like that. What is really super special is the, is the client themselves. Uh, and, a, and, and of course, the client organization in this case, the, the nature of uh, John Lewis Partnership's ownership, the purpose-driven, I mean, proper, we wang on about purpose all the time in this industry, proper purpose-driven organization. Uh, and just, I would genuinely say, the openness, generosity, honesty, respect, and and hopefulness that all of the client team brought. I mean, they're just super, I mean, amazing people. But you know, you know, when a client's going into a review and they're 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 doing it all, believing that they're going to get something extraordinary, rather than petrified that that they won't, or where they're incredibly respectful of the agencies and the work that they're putting in, rather than 
you, you know, well, you, you want our business, so you're going to have to do a, you know, jump through hoops. It was, it was, it was a really brilliant experience for all of us. And, and I'm going to come back to, I also think, you know, we met in Odney. I mean, that, that was incredible to be briefed in a place. My understanding, Rosie, is that, is that when the founder of, jo- founder of John Lewis's son sort of created the partnership, he kind of went, uh, a great retail magnet has a massive pile in the country, but we're going to be thousands of retail magnets. So we all need to have a place in the country. So this, you, know, you get what's at stake when you go to somewhere like Odney. Here is a place available to the partners and also to sit alongside the WPP team and the Wonderhood team. And of course, we all, you know, we've grown up together. We know each other, but, but also to kind of look them in the eye and go, I, I've, you've got to really perform. Like this is, this is proper competition. That was very energizing. Plus, we got to do Christmas in March, which is mad. <laughs> Um, Rosie, what was it about Saatchi's that stood out from WPP and, and Wonderhood, the other agencies who uh, were shortlisted? Look, all three agencies, I have to stress this, all three agencies brought us their very, very best. I mean, it was every session that I sat in, I thought, yes, these guys can do it. These guys get us. Um, I, there was such strong strategic thinking and like the creativity that came out. We should just all feel so proud to, to work in an industry where there is that much talent. So saying that up front, um, I think Saatchi brought an energy and a fizz and almost an untangible understanding of our brand and why it matters. Um, so that's kind of, understanding of the brand really did shine through hopefully you've already heard Richard's passion I can say that that passion is met and matched by the rest of the team at Saatchi and we I guess we wanted someone who cared about our brand as much as we do as co-owners of the brand so um, that mattered to us that it was that we weren't just another client that we you know that, that the importance of what we're trying to do is, is understood um, there was a brilliant cultural fit, um, lots of shared values. So we've been so impressed with Saatchi's commitment to inclusion, their social impact initiatives, um, kind of the understanding of modern Britain, I think really shone through clearly as well. Um, and they really, really understood our challenges and actually weren't, weren't afraid to challenge us on what they believed our challenges are. So um, I think it, it all gave us... Um, confidence that it was was the right team to go with. Can you elaborate a little bit on that challenges point? Are you able to tell us a bit more about you know what areas? Look yeah we are a retailer with a lot of legacy. We've been around for well over a hundred years and um, we that comes with the responsibility to to retain what is great about the brand so all of the things around co-ownership um, the service that we offer, the fact that we are so uh, connected with quality and this high bar of expectation in customers' minds. So we've got all that brilliant legacy, but we know we need to modernize and we know we have to continue evolving to um, meet modern customer needs. And so I think um, Saatchi showed a real understanding of this need to keep what's great and help move us forward Um and like there's a commercial reality. So yes, purpose is such is so important to John Lewis, but we also need to sell stuff. Um, and I think the thinking that we saw from Saatchi really helped connect our, you know, the reason why the brand matters with the need to sell um, brilliant products. So it was, it was, um, yeah, it was very well understood by them. So you mentioned uh, modern Britain there, and Richard, um, you had the um, report out. I think was it last week or the week before while I was away about um, what the fuck is going on. And um, I presume yeah. so. For those of who the thrust of the report was that um, Adland's out of touch with with consumers, and I, I presume that that formed part of your your pitch then to to, to John Lewis. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's quite a narrow understanding of what we're trying to do. It's not really about ad landing out of, of parts. I think it, it that this this whole piece is about really trying to understand what is going on in Britain right now and helping clients navigate 
navigate that. Uh, and it's a rather punchy title, but genuinely the back end of last year, I was thinking to myself that really the question people are asking is what the fuck is going on here? And, and you know, clients looking into into twenty three and thinking, well, I don't need, I don't know, is this going to be a stellar year? Is it going to be a terrible year? Am I going to just wash my face? And so we tried to unpack that. And without a doubt, and this is aligned with our passion for um, for modern Britain and and for serving the people of Britain as an agency, uh, which is guiding everything that we're doing. But I think it boils down to uh, what is a brand's duty to serve right now. And trying to flip it from how can I get consumers to buy into me to what is, I mean, and what is our duty to serve as an organisation? And you don't come across many organisations for whom that has always been the central question. I think ever since the partnership was created, that's been the central question: what is our duty? Uh, and I and I love that. So I'm talking a lot actually at the moment about duty to serve as opposed to pure purpose. And I think also. And we talked a lot about, you know, some eternal British virtues like power of community, not silly Adland community or metaverse communities or fandoms, but actual communities. The importance of joy in our lives and, and that we can't always be serious. And right now, you know, sometimes we need to lighten up. And also basic British values of decency. And, and, and those are embodied uh, in the partnership, sometimes they need coaxing out a little bit. What did you make of the the research then, Rosie? Well, I was saying to Richard, actually, it was my bedtime reading for a couple of nights. (laughs) Um, I did have to turn the cover over the other way so that my six-year-old, who has just learned to read, wouldn't be badly influenced. Um, Look, I'm I'm just going to repeat a lot of what Richard said. I think the things that really spoke to me were the community, the joy, the decency, hearing from those 15 or 16 people who were involved in the research just how hard life is at the minute and just how many difficult choices they are having to make Um, and really looking for a fairness that doesn't currently exist I think um, those were all things that spoke very clearly to me but I, I you know I think as a business that aspires to do things the right way and as a business that is here to um serve customers the research there was a lot of things in it that I think can be applied directly to how we want to move the John Lewis brand forward and then on that how what does the future hold for for the marketing at um John Lewis and Waitrose well I mean the next six weeks specifically I'm not sure we're allowed to talk about anything other than Christmas because we need to get that juggernaut Mm. really in action and and it is um, and we're all very energized by um, the direction that we're going in. Mm. If I say any more, I'll lose my job. So have you, have uh, you know that Christmas is yeah. Christmas is coming, as I've said. <laughs> have you already got the idea um, then for Christmas, for the Christmas ad? Or are you still working on it? We have got a very strong sense of where we might go. Okay. That's the most yeah. I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think the other thing, so definitely Christmas, I know Waitrose will actually have the pleasure of going first. So they've got some new work coming in the autumn. Certainly the first thing we'd expect to launch with Sachi is Christmas. Loads of work to do on brand strategy um, and our positioning. Um, and then uh, looking forward into next year, we've got sort of the exciting uh, launch of our PAM partnership loyalty program. So that's bringing together the the loyalty programs of both John Lewis and Waitrose. So yeah, plenty to keep us busy. Uh, on the brand positioning, can I check, are you keeping the, is it For All Life's uh, Moments um, tagline? Yes, exactly. So we, we launched For All Life's Moments last September. Um, that's very much the, the promise that we've made to our customers. We've said all along that last September was a statement of intent we now need to really imbue that with meaning and uh, make sure that there's a real why for customers um, as to you know why they come to John Lewis and what we offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarchi's is um, quite known for um, not only known for but you know the direct line work, the EE work. Um, brand mascots are a theme there. Do you think we may see a similar approach in upcoming like John Lewis and Waitrose work? Will we see more celebs there? Is that a question to me, Jid? For both of you. Uh, I, mean, I, feel, I feel slightly uh, that you think there's a house style at our place. I mean, 
you know, I, I think if you look across the work that we're producing, the Sharp Foundation, a really good example, that we're using all sorts of techniques and tools. The only thing that matters to me is that as advertisers, we, it, it, we help consumers understand the way that we uniquely advertise. And, and so that's, that I can promise, that I can promise high levels of attribution. But I, uh, there are many, many ways of delivering that. And fundamentally, it's about meaningfully connecting with consumers, which, of course, John Lewis have done brilliantly for over a decade. Indeed. Adam and Eve have been creating some big blockbuster ads for John Lewis. And, you know, it has changed, as, as Richard said earlier, the way marketing, uh, John Lewis's marketing has uh, developed over the years. Are we going to continue seeing, Adam and Eve isn't your agency anymore, but are we going to continue seeing the big blockbuster Christmas ad uh, from John Lewis? I mean, TV remains the most effective way to get reach and it's the most trusted media channel. So that's kind of a question for Manning, to be honest, in terms of like the, the media mix that we might continue to move forward with. Um, as you've already acknowledged, this approach has done a brilliant job for us. Um, we haven't got into media planning detail yet, but we do not take for granted just how important the kind of organic reach is that we get from brilliant creative. So that's certainly something that I would not like to lose. And it's um, my responsibility to make sure that we don't. Richard, anything to add? Well, I mean, uh, in, uh, just that, um, I mean, it, it, it when you enter a, a review like this and, and you're so well aware of, I mean, your career and your landscape, the landscape you've inhabited has been so dominated by, by the extraordinary work that John Lewis and, and Adam and Eve have done. Like, like no client I come across would trade that for anything, trade that attention, uh, that, that focus, that ability to create or just pure organic uh, conversations so i i think it would be a it would be foolish to uh, to imagine that, that 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 is not incredibly important and, and if if people are looking at us and going well tough act to follow i mean i'm really i'm really well aware of that but 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 we will not let the industry down from from a perspective of the quality of creativity being brought to bear and we will not let We'll do our level best not to let John Lewis partners and the partnership down because I think every agency that was involved in this approach understood the care and respect with which we need to treat a very extraordinary and completely unique organization. So I, that's all I can promise is care and respect for this extraordinary organization and, and the two principal brands. And we will do our very best to maintain the the way the world looks at the UK and the world looks at John Lewis advertising as being among the sort of stuff that makes young people want to go into this business in the very first place. Promise you that. I look forward to that, Richard. Um, so uh, can I just quickly ask you um, how uh, you're going to bed in the John Lewis clients? So I know you guys have, uh, Sarchi's has uh, the model uh, in-house in, in is the squads model. So where you kind of put a, a group of um, specialists on each project account, sorry. So will that be a similar thing for John Lewis? We're sort of exploring the, the, the sort of minutiae of the way uh, Saatchi and Saatchi is op operating. But, but uh, it, I think without a doubt, our, our ability to, to work in this squad system has been helpful to us in this process. We had to simultaneously pitch for an enormous food retailer and an enormous general merchandise retailer. Plus, uh, there's a, 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 a pretty sizable financial services uh, conversation as well simultaneously the only way we could do that was to activate the squad system there's also as you I mean, we're being slightly guarded because there's loads of confidentiality uh, around particularly john lewis uh, and so the ability to to create those purposefully in a way create silos at least you know nobody on waitrose ever knew what was happening on the john lewis pitch for instance um uh, it was really important to us. That is definitely how we will operate going forward. Uh, and uh, I mean, there would be many ways to, to, to operate business like this, but, it, but it's, 
like that squad system's you know just over a year old and it's working for us really well at the moment um so so uh, yes probably Rosie did you want to add something yeah so I've got two points to make one we really bought into the squad system because it gave us the consistency of the Saatchi leadership team and then the ability to service two very different brands um and then the second thing I just thought you might fight might find quite interesting is that in the pitch response we only had four people from John Lewis in the room because we guard the confidentiality of the work so much so it really has felt like such a special privileged thing to be part of and as somebody who is terrible at keeping secrets um, I'm feeling the pressure. You've done pretty well here. <laughs> You're doing really well there. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll wrap this up because we are running out of time. Um, so I understand that, uh, John Lewis, you gave uh, the three contending agencies a hamper each. What was in the hamper? Did Sarches get the extra bottle of bubbly? Uh, everyone was treated fairly. Do you know, you actually... Um, I've had half of Waitrose on Oxford Street running around trying to get me the line list for the hampers. Um, I am assured that it was uh, it was very well stocked. It was everything from um, salted caramel popcorn to bags of crisps, and everybody got some some champagne, but nobody got any special treatment because, as I've said, all three agencies were. It's weird how it's, Rose, it's weird how this has become a sort of topic of interest, and maybe it's because this whole conversation is a topic of interest. But I just think it was a client who's 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 treating the process with respect. I don't want to get all serious, but how nice is it when you just pitch? You just put your life, and 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 most times, you know, well, very often you're you're, you're lucky to hear from a client. You know, you. So that, it was yeah. just a really nice gesture, and I'm sure all the agencies really appreciated it. And and what's been really nice for us is how lovely people have been. And particularly from competing the competing agencies, as a as a result, you know, I think everybody just wanted to do a really good job, and obviously everybody wanted to win. But but uh, but we were all, I think, driven by a common desire to to deliver for John Lewis. Yeah, and look, we acknowledge just how much everyone put their heart and soul and weekends into this, and it was really just our way of saying, like, we get it and thank you. And the popcorn was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> not the booze <laughs> and if this hamper gets any more if this hamper gets any more attention it's going to need its own social media account because it's becoming <laughs> very famous <laughs> oh come on Rosie get the list for us <laughs> um, okay we'll leave it at that uh, thank you so much for your time and we look forward to seeing what's uh, next for John Lewis's uh, marketing thank you Rosie thank you Richard uh, I'll see you soon thank you Thanks. So I'd like to welcome Johnny Parker and Chris Birch, Executive Creative Directors at VCCP London, to review some of the latest ads. Hello both. How are you? Hi. Very good, thanks. Yeah, we're good. We're good. How are you? Yes, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Thanks very much. So um, the first ad is uh, Slim Fast, Oomph for Your Boomph by Mother London. Um, it's the first ad for the brand by Mother, and it features TV personality and rapper Big Nasty alongside their longtime brand ambassador, Kelly Brook. And the brand is looking to shift its positioning uh, to what it says, beyond weight loss to low calorie nutritious fuel. Uh, it was shot by grime video producer Matthew Walker. So let's have a quick listen. Surrounding here, wanna live the life you can live. 
Better love with your wife, more time with your kids in the park, being fit. Bang this bottle, take a go, take a sip. Slim fast, blaze blood. Done, no, guaranteed hit. Fitness gang. Work hard, play hard, train hard, straight. Then I power up with my slim fast shake. Give me that sweet for the day. Get my boom for the way. Got me feeling pumped up for the day. Work hard, play hard, train hard, straight. Then I power up with my slim fast shake. Give me that sweet for the day. Get my boom for the way. Got me feeling pumped up for the day. Chris, are you a fan? Very much so. <laughs> I think um, Big Nasty can, can do no wrong, really. He's just one of them characters, isn't he? That like whatever he turns his hand to, it, I just find myself enjoying it and liking him more and liking whatever he's involved with. So uh, we've done a couple of jobs with him as well, but he's uh, no, he's brilliant. Slim Fast to do something this different, it's just hats off. Yeah. I think they've always been. I can't name you anything else that's kind of piqued my interest, mm-hmm. other than what I kind of know from about 20 years ago where it was a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch and a proper dinner. <laughs> Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah. So this one to be like quite literally like all up in people's grill and just doing it with humor and energy. And then obviously the, the client's gone, we've got to use Kelly Brook and then Kelly Brook's just in there having as much fun as him. And then even like I was just thinking that when they've gone, yeah. Oh, well, where's the product? You know, we've got to have the product in here. So they just make the product a microphone. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, cool. Just because you've got such a big, you've got such a big, fun, noisy idea. Like it doesn't, no one bats an eyelid at making the product a microphone. So yeah, I love this. I thought it was exactly what, exactly probably what SimFast needs is to just be like out there. Yeah. But entertaining people rather than kind of maybe the way what they've done in the past, which is maybe a bit more, well, I don't know, a bit more traditional, a bit more safe maybe. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're, this, this is what you kind of expect when there's a big brand refresh, um, uh, quite a, a big thing. So, jo- uh, Johnny, what, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I completely agree with Chris. Uh, I think the starting point is obviously the repositioning, you know, from uh, a shake for breakfast, lunch, and a two meat, meat and two veg for dinner to a nutritional health thing has allowed them to make this huge jump into talking to different people and respecting that audience they're talking to uh, with Big Nasty. And it, yeah, it's just brilliant. It's full of energy, complete opposite of everything I've ever seen for weight and controlled feeding, whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. And yeah, like I said, we worked with Big Nasty a couple of times and he's, he's brilliant. So hats off, hats off to Mother. Well done. So big fans of Big Nasty there. Yeah, I mean, you can even excuse the terrible lip syncing in places, but it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't it? matter. Uh, I, wonder, I do wonder if they tried to tighten that up and they went, oh, it doesn't really matter. Just, just leave it. It's quite funny that it's quite, especially Kelly Brooks' bits. I like the bits. That's quite off. So next we have um, ITV, No Silence Please by Uncommon Creative Studio. So this is part of ITV's wider Get Britain Talking campaign. We hear the beginning of a German exam that tells students to ignore the churning in their stomach and basically nervous feelings. Uh, But then the voiceover encourages parents to have a proper chat with uh, children to ease exam stress. Let's have a little listen. May 2023, German paper one. Students should listen carefully to the recording, read the questions and try to ignore the churning in their stomach, the shaking in their hands or the little voice that mutters, Du bist ein Idiot. Make sure they hear another voice that asks, Are you okay? That reminds them, You've got this. A proper chat can ease exam stress. Britain, get talking. ITV. So, Johnny, why don't we go to you? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to start with what Chris said to me when we watched him uh, a while ago. He said, Oh my God, that voice just puts the fear of God into me. <laughs> takes you back to that those many years ago when we were doing exams and things did you do german i did, did you, I didn't Chris, do german. Yeah. it's terrifying it, i mean what an attention grabber to use the, the exactly. exam voice from <laughs> when you were 14 15 or whatever exactly so. and I, I think the placement like, it's a brilliant campaign we all know that and, I, and it continues to be brilliant what a great place to pop up and i think it's all running in conjunction with the timings of actual exams right it just feels really smart and it's really well executed. 
really simple. Yeah, it's great. I think, yeah, the question we had is if it is, I think it says in the, from what we read about it, that it, it tied in with specific, obviously, exam timing and stuff, but targeting parents, obviously, to talk to their kids about helping them through it, really. And uh, so it's a brilliant brilliant thing to be doing and I think it's a brilliant thing for ITV to be using obviously their media and their audience to get people to talk to their kids at this point in time like I say yeah anything that kind of makes you go crikey what's that voice I remember that and it's created some sort of emotional reaction in me uh, is good so yeah into it great uh, next up we have Tommy's uh, Let's Bring Them Home by VML Y&R the Pregnancy and Baby Loss Charity reimagines the FA Cup trophy as a baby bottle and puts a twist on the football phrase, it's coming home, in a bid to raise awareness of uh, the impact of baby loss. Um, so, uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on, on this one? Mixed, mixed feelings a little bit. I think it's a wonderful initiative and hats off to them for getting out there, you know, in a, in a kind of a, a disruptive place and talking about what Tommy does. You've got to be careful with football ads and Chris. He's he's gone completely crackers it on many on many shoots because people bring out a football and he says it's a fake football. You know the footballs with the black patches, the white leather footballs yeah. with black patches. Why is that fake? He just goes absolutely crackers. <laughs> so his attention to detail on anything football is is very is very particular, and that's one of his bugbears. So this is a football advert, you know. Yeah, it, I think it's something to do with the licensing of the real life footballs because they always have logos on. So in ads, we, everyone tends to use like a generic football. Anyway, oh, I see. This is probably well, way off topic. We're not, I'm not about Tommy's and not about the work that people have done. But yeah, and, well, it's important with, with things that people love to get the details right, isn't it? Um, hats off to them for doing something so like, important for Tommy's, and it's a great charity. I think these stand out, and I think um, I think they're all placed around Wembley Stadium at mm. the time of the FA Cup final. Yeah. Uh, so I think you know they'll go go and they'll go notice. I think if I was to be critical a little bit, I think something that we maybe it's a personal thing or something that we always kind of adhere to here a little bit is I don't know the old visual coincidence of. Um, well, football's about the FA Cup and Tommy's is about babies, so we've got a baby cup and a football cup and if we can kind of blend the two. And I think they've done a really nice job of it. I just question whether that's um, the most powerful way to get the message out that, you know, we need to save more babies' lives and bring them home more. Um, having said that, that's what they've gone after and I think they've done a really, a really nice job for a really important cause. Uh, it would just be that the visual coincidence thing of, Maybe not not quite to my taste, but I do applaud them for just doing something that gets again at a time when people are thinking about uh, something else. It will stop people in their tracks. It will kind of shock them and go, "It's a really important cause." So love the, love the media placement of it. It's just the visual coincidence I struggle with a little bit. Yeah, uh, uh, Johnny, what are your thoughts? I know, it's really hard. Um, it's hard to be creatively critical when you're looking at such emotive kind of charity-esque advertising. I always find this from whenever we've been on juries and you've always probably put it up a notch or two more than it deserves because because of its emotiveness. But I think I'm going to try and stand back from that and strip it out and strip out the emotion and uh, look at it objectively. I don't know. I think I think it's all right. Uh, I mean, everything that Chris said, you know, hats off for having a go. But it's all right. I don't think it's that impactful and Visual, really. I mean, everywhere else is talking about football. Barclays talking about football. Mastercard talking about football. Heinz is talking about football. Cups everywhere, and then to do the same thing. When, when you, but then you, you've got something to compare it with. We've just been talking about ITV, which is a very emotive um, cause as well. Then you can see the difference. You know, the, there's a lot of in, the, the great insight that's gone into the ITV stuff that I think is lacking in the in the Tommy's execution. Yeah, I'm being a bit harsh. I shouldn't be that harsh. Oh, I know. I know what you mean. It is. It is when when you're judging a an emotive topic like this, and also charity. Um, it is quite. It's hard to be critical. Um, but you know, as when we're judging, we we're looking at the creative execution. I think. Um, so, yeah. I mean, 
it is it's 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 a hard one it's a hard one to judge isn't it um okay uh, let's move on we have uh bbc eurovision effect by bbc creative so this was one of the many films that bbc creative produced for its uh, eurovision coverage uh it was based on research that found that watching eurovision uh the song contest will increase life satisfaction by a minimum of 13 percent so BBC Creative made an infomercial featuring uh, its own scientist, pl- played by Bad Education's Leighton Williams, who delivers facts about the hashtag Eurovision effect to get people watching. It was created by Shannon Cripps and Beth Wood and directed by Emily Fried Sharp. So let's have a little listen. Are you one of the many people in the UK endlessly in search of a happiness boost? Have you already tried some of the usual remedies but nothing's quite working? Well, dream no longer. Introducing the Eurovision Song Contest. Scientifically proven to increase life satisfaction by a minimum of 13%. Actual real science. Test it out for yourself. She's happy, he's happy, they're happy. For the best results, watch live on BBC iPlayer. So, uh, fans of Eurovision here? Not really. <laughs> uh, what, the Eurovision, the actual contest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, or the, the, the advert. Both, go on, both. Did you watch Eurovision? Eurovision, I always think, oh, this will be fun. And then, two, <laughs> and then two songs in, I'm like, oh, it's just bad, it's just bad music. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> and then I go, how long is it on for? And it's like four hours. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know, I'm going to go make a tea or something. Uh I think Imperial College London and their thirteen percent life thing. Yeah, it's a great fact. That fact is I genius. I don't is know that a who, fact? Who, who, who did they research to get to that? I'm sure it doesn't have that effect on everyone. But what it's was a great the fact? fact. The Imperial College of London found Eurovision Song Contest is proven to increase life satisfaction. Life satisfaction by thirteen percent. Wouldn't that be like getting married or having a baby would improve? Oh, I don't know, like winning the lottery would improve. Maybe it's just, you know, watching the contest that makes you happy, you know, makes you feel like this is really ridiculous. Yeah, but Look at what... of your whole life's existence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for some people, I mean, it's not a fact. Look, if we, got, if, we, if we were given that fact as the creators, we'd be like, and I'm not going to question it. Let's run with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which I think they have done. And uh, um, yeah, don't ask too many questions. Just uh, dramatize that fact <laughs> if it facts in the comments. But uh, I really like this. I think again, it's just it's found it's found a different way of coming at it. You know, it's like it's prescribed to you almost. You know, and uh, which fun and silly, just like the content. fun and silly. But also, I imagine they've. I'd imagine they've been tasked with also showing the footage and then the way that like, you know, showing Eurovision. And then so the way they've got like the character who like appears over old past events and stuff like that. And just the gags at the end, like I just, yeah, I think it's really fun. They've clearly, they might've had a big budget, but it doesn't look like it. So if they've had a small budget, I think it totally suits that as well. Yeah. You know, like. Um, well, you mean like the crappy effects. To yeah, the crappy but it's effects brilliant. Show. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Entertaining, but I even though I'm not a Eurovision fan, I would go home and I would talk about that fact. Yeah. So just to communicate that, you know, I'd talk to my fiance about it. I'd say, you know, so I think it's a lovely piece of it. Yeah. Johnny, anything else to add? Um, I'd love to see if Imperial College London what the results would be if they researched the actual advert. If that would uplift your life by thirty percent. <laughs> Go on, being really harsh again. Sorry. Yes. Uh, no, look, it's great. It's a, it's a silly show and it's a silly advert. And it's kind of perfect. Good cast. And I think, just going back to the Tommy's thing as well, I think, I don't want to be too harsh on, on any of the work, really, because but I think that Tommy's one is, is a really tough task. At the FA Cup final, talk about keeping babies alive. You know, that's a really tough gig. And I'm not saying Eurovision isn't a tough gig, but I, I'd imagine it was a bit more fun to work on in that sense. Mm-hmm. So Tommy should be proud of the work they've done. I don't want anyone to think that they shouldn't be. I think we do, but if we are critiquing the, the visual thing, then that would, that would be that. But tough, tough, tough task, isn't it? Mm. Whereas Eurovision, I, I hope, was more of a, can we do something fun for Eurovision? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's all we have time for. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you.
So thank you to all of our guests for today. And that is all we have time for. If you'd like to learn more about what we have been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big thank you to Haymarket's studio manager, Nav Pal, and also to our producer, Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio. And to you for listening. I hope you will join us next time. On behalf of the Campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.